in your Bible in Ephesians chapter 1. I'll begin reading in verse 3 and read through verse 17 as you're finding your place there. I want to uh, give you an invitation, a reminder that on the 13th, Friday the 13th, coming up in just less than two weeks, is our Vessels Conference. Uh, I've got about 150 uh, couples that are going to come. Uh, 150 people, these couples, pastors, and other staffers are going to be here, and we're going to encourage them over dinner. Then I want to invite you to be right here at 7 o'clock, hear Dr. Johnny Hunt, and help me to encourage these pastors uh, that weekend. And then on that weekend, the 15th, on Sunday night, we're going to have a Sunday evening service at 5.30. Dr. Vance Pittman, who is preaching his last sermon right now at the Hope Church in Las Vegas, where out in the desert, he went 20 years ago, planted that church uh, under the umbrella of Dr. Hunt, who will be here uh, on Friday night, who is his pastor, and sent him out uh, to Vegas to do that work, and they've planted all of these churches. He's going to work in the morning for us with Sin Network, uh, helping plant churches all across America, and he'll be here with us on Sunday night to encourage the church. So mark those two dates down. Come, join me right here, 7 o'clock on Friday night, Friday the 13th, you can't forget that. And then Sunday night at 5.30 with Dr. Pittman, and we will gather together to encourage our own church. This morning, we are continuing this series of messages on the Holy Spirit. We're preaching after Easter all the way up to Pentecost Sunday about pneumatology and the spirit life, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we're in Ephesians chapter 1. I'll begin reading in verse number 3 as we preach this message entitled, The Internal Work of the Spirit. There is an external work that the Spirit of God, of course, does, but I want us to get to know Him as we introduced Him last week and see what He does in us so that He can work through us and do the work for us out in the world. So today, before we go external, we're going to look internal at the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. There it is, the blessings, the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to the adoption of sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption, through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens, and things on the earth. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, 
who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Father, I pray that now you would sprinkle your blood on us that we may understand your word. Speak to us and help us to heed the clarion call of the Scriptures. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Holy Spirit works quietly, internally, invisibly within our life. He is like the root system of a tree. Psalm says that we are to be like a tree planted by the river. You don't see the root system, but it is there. You, you see the fruit. That's the external work of the Spirit. You see the leaves, the branches. But there is an internal work of the root system. And that is our thought today. The spiritual blessings of verse number three that we see in our text, the Spirit at work in the believer. When Jesus uh, was teaching in the third chapter of John, he said to remember everything that is born of the flesh is flesh. But that that is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Don't be surprised or marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. You've been born once of the flesh. You must be born again of the Spirit, that internal working within us. So what is this internal work that the Spirit does? Three actions, three works of the Spirit I want us to see together this morning. So number these with me and let's look quickly. Number one, I would share with you this first internal work is what I call He saves. He saves. Verse 7 speaks that uh, says in Him we have redemption. Through the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to riches of His grace, He has adopted us, He's chosen us, He's predestined us, He's come after us, He's, He's saved. But the Spirit of God does that work within us, and He saves us. Now listen, when, when you're born, you come with a dead spirit. Ephesians 2.1 tells us that we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. You come, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, with a darkened soul, the God, little g, of this world has blinded our eyes, and our soul is darkened. Not only a dead spirit and a darkened soul, you come with a defiled body. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 tells us that we are defiled in the flesh by our sin, but when the Spirit of God comes to a dead spirit, you are quickened. You are made alive. He comes to that darkened soul, and you are enlightened, illumined by the Spirit 
of the living God. And your defiled body is cleansed as God does this work within us. Titus speaks to this. In chapter 3 and verse 5, we hear Paul writing to Titus, and he says, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration, notice that next phrase, and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. He, he renews us. He, he makes us again. He changes us. He makes us a new person. Our present is different than our past when Jesus and the Spirit of the living God comes in you. He literally raises you from the dead, and He quickens you, He cleanses you, and He enlightens you in the inner man that is being born again. Nicodemus in John 3 was listening. Jesus said, that's born flesh, flesh is born spirit, spirit. Don't marvel, Nicodemus. I say you must be born again. But we have nothing. We have nothing to go on that Nicodemus said, okay, or I agree, or I'll think about it. Or, we, we don't know anything. We don't know what happened to Nicodemus. We have to wait 16 chapters. Nah, there's one little blurb in between, but you can't be certain there. When you get to the 19th chapter of John, Jesus is dead. Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body, and he's got a sidekick. And Nicodemus comes with the spices. Something happened to that old boy. He was not the same man he used to be. He came for the body of Jesus. And it's in the preaching of Jesus to St. Nick that we get the most popular verse in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Nicodemus believed. He was saved. He was changed, and the Spirit of God came into that old Jewish leader and raised his spirit from the dead. He enlightened his darkened soul, and he cleansed his defiled body. Now, here's my question. How about you? How about you? Those of you that sit on the very top row of this building today, how about you on that top row? You take me to a place and tell me of a time. Those of you that sit down close and everywhere in between, can you tell me? I know, Pastor. I know, I know, I know. Saw that young man. We had a young adult woman in early service making their profession. That doesn't save them. Jesus saves them. Then they take their stand. Have you taken your stand? Spirit of God, his first in work is that he saves us. I was 10 years old. He saved me. He saved me. I was raised from the spiritual death. I began to understand some things I'd never understood. Spirit of God began to put things, his finger on things that I just said, man, I'd never heard that before. 
The internal work he begins first, he saves. But now secondly, and I'm getting ready to preach a whole sermon on this particular second point. Not only he saves, but this text says he seals. He seals. Notice it in verse 13. In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Ephesians 4.30 uh, says it this way, that we were sealed for the day of redemption. He has sealed us. Paul said to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 1.22 that he has also sealed us and he gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge, the seal. It's all through the Word of God. You, you find it in the fifth chapter of Revelation. You, you come and there's, you hear the seven books, and, and then there's a scroll. Uh, the scroll has a seal on it that the writer says no man was worthy to break the seal to open the scroll. Then Jesus came. He was worthy. When they buried Jesus, Matthew 27, the Roman leader said, secure the grave as secure as you can, and they set a seal. After they rolled the big rock, they set a seal. Most people believe that it was a wax on the rock and the wall with a cord. And if that cord was ever broken or taken away, they would know somebody had messed with, with the tomb. Well, somebody's about to mess with that tomb, all right. No one was, but the Spirit of God and the stone was, the seal was broken. You see, the seal speaks of ownership, it, it, it speaks of authenticity. It speaks of security. It speaks of a finished transaction. When you get saved, the Spirit of God seals you. The Spirit is given as a pledge. He's in you, made you alive, and He has sealed you. He owns you. It is the mark of ownership. I'm not my own. You're not your own. If you're saved, you've been bought with a price. He's the owner, thank God, and he takes care of what he owns. Not only does it speak of ownership, it speaks of security. We are kept by the power of God. Let me tell you, friend, I'm saved, saved, saved. I'm saved. I'm so saved it's pitiful. I'm secure. Can't nobody take it from me. You can fire me from this church, but you can't take my salvation. You can take my money, but you can't take my salvation. Matter of fact, I can't even take it from myself. I've been sealed by the Spirit of God. People ask me all the time, Pastor, is once saved, always saved in the Bible? Well, that phrase is not there, but the teaching of it uh, is there. Or if you've been saved, you're saved forever and ever and ever. Can't nobody take it from you. Can't nobody with a long tongue take you away from you. Can't nobody cuss you and take care of you and, and take that away from you. I'm telling you, you, you've been sealed. 
because it's a finished transaction. When God saves you, He puts that seal on you, and you are His forever and ever and ever and ever. As Billy Graham would say it, forever and forever and forever and forever. He's yours, and you're His. Don't go running around doubting if you're saved. If you've trusted Him and come to the place of, of being His child, live like His child. Oh, my. So, preacher, I am doubting. Well, you, you need to go back to home base and find out, did you get saved? Have you been sealed? And if you are sealed, just begin to live and believe what God says about you. Not what you say about you. Believe what the Word of God says about you. And that you are sealed. It's a finished transaction. Yeah, you ever been to the bank and paid something off and that lady brings that thing out and goes they put that seal on there they always hit it hard I don't know I go to a governmental place and I pay a bill and they just they like to make it boom paid in full you get that seal they take it over there well, let me tell you, when I got saved, I came rolling by and God took me and He sealed me with the Holy Spirit of promise. And friend, when He comes back, listen to me now, when He comes back a second time, He's really not looking for you. He's looking for the Spirit of the living God within you. That's your seal. That's your promise. And he seals us until our day of redemption. Thank God that he saves. Thank God that he seals us. It is finished. Stop doubting. Walk in assurance. But there's a third thing, and this is really the reason I'm preaching this today. Not only he saves, not only he seals but I want you to see in this text that he speaks. The Spirit of God speaks. Look, look in verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Uh, now there's people who uh, have differences about how that word spirit should be written. This is with a small s in the New American Standard. I think it should be a capital S. I believe he's speaking to the Holy Spirit here. Some would disagree, and that's fine. You can, but you're not doing the preaching today. I am. I believe this is the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, not just an aura of that. I believe that if you're going to have wisdom, it comes from the Holy Spirit. If you're going to have revelation, it's a spirit, the Holy Spirit's wisdom and revelation in the knowledge. It's three words there, wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. All of man's troubles will every time, every time you've got trouble, it will be due to the ignorance of God. Your ignorance of God is what leads to trouble. You don't know God. You don't know what God thinks. You don't know what he's saying. 
We need his wisdom. That word wisdom is Sophia. It means how to regulate one's relationship with God, how, how we regulate knowing him. Uh, the word revelation is the same word as used in the book of Revelation. It's apocalypsis. It, it means to unveil, to pull back the veil so that you can see. And then knowledge is that gnosis that, that God gives. Now listen to me. If you're saved and you have been sealed, the Spirit of God is talking to you. And he wants to give you wisdom. He wants to reveal to you his path. And he gives you knowledge for that that you need to be about. Now, if God's not speaking to you, two or three things you need to look at. Number one, if you're not hearing from the Spirit of the living God, it's because you're not clean before him. You've got dirt in the pipeline. And the chief, the chief sin of grieving the spirit is bitterness. Go back and read it in Ephesians. You'll see it. I'll preach on it here in a few weeks. When you hold a grudge and you get bitter and don't forgive, you'll grieve the Spirit and you won't hear Him. You've got to get clean. You, you must forgive. You've you got to forgive like Jesus forgave. He's hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them. Say, Pastor, what I do to forgive? I've been hurt bad. There's two things. I'll flesh this out in a few weeks, but you, you must forgive, let go. But then you got to go one more step. You have to begin to pray for God to bless the one who came against you. You can't gossip about them, can't talk bad about them. When they've done wrong to you, you must say, Lord, I forgive, but then you've got to ask God, to bless them. You say, I can't do that. You'll get there. You say, you just don't know what they did to me. I understand. I probably don't. But I'm, I'm telling you, if you want to hear from God, you begin to forgive like Jesus forgave. And we are to love the way God loved us and we are to forgive the way God forgave us. And when we do, the Spirit of God, then number one, if you're not hearing from God, you, you may not be clean. Secondly, you're not listening. You're too busy. Jesus said it, and then John said it seven times. Seven times. To every one of the churches in Revelation 2 and 3. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hear me, dear friend, and hear me, church. Do not be a church or a Christian without ears. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says. If, if you don't have ears, you can't wear your glasses. They fall off your face. He that has ears. Have you got ears? 
Say, I have ears. He that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says. He's not talking about these. I got one ugly ear. This ear over here hangs way out. This one's close to my head. When I slept as a baby, I, I would lie on this side and that ear would fold under and it grew wide. When I was a baby, my mother used to tape it to my head, but it'd come off and I'd sleep on that ear. So when I get glasses, they have to always adjust my glasses or they'll sit, as they say in Alabama, whoppy jawed. They'd be this way. Get them straight. You got ears? Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You got to listen. If you're going to listen, you got to pay attention. It takes time. You can't just check in with God and read Oswald Chambers for three minutes on the morning and then go about your business if you're going to hear God. It takes time to hear him. You got to read his word. He's written a whole book to you. Listen. I read Oswald Chambers every morning. Using it this year. But the Lord's not finished once my devotion's over. Spirit of God speaking moment by moment, step by step, day by day. The Spirit of God speaks. Say, so, Pastor, what's he say? Oh my. He always says one of three things. The Spirit of God is always saying, Go. Woe or no. Sometimes he says go. God speaks, says go. That's what happened with Philip in Acts chapter 8. God picked him up from a revival and sent him down to the desert. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch. He was reading from Isaiah. The Bible says in Acts 8, 29, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go and attach yourself to the chariot. He got up, ran, got in the chariot. Can you understand what you said? How can I unless someone tell me? He rolled out the gospel and that old boy got saved. Sent him off as a missionary. Sometimes God says to you to go. Go. When God says go, get up and go. Sometimes he says, whoa. Just pause, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Remember when Paul was traveling, he got ready, he's, he's going, and the Spirit of the Lord said to him, mm-mm, not, not yet. In Acts 16, he said that to Peter, he said just pause, pause. There are times you just stop and wait. And other times he says, no. That's what he said to Paul in Acts 15. They were writing and getting ready uh, to write about whether he had to be circumcised or not circumcised and send it out to the church in, in a phenomenal revelation. In Acts 15, 29, uh, the Bible says, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I love that. It seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. That we do not lay on them this burden any longer. No, stop that. If the Spirit of God lives in you, you listen. If you have ears to hear, He'll say to you, go. No. 
Mm, whoa. I was in uh, Charleston a couple of days this week, and we, we took a, uh, a ride in a horse-drawn carriage. There were like 12 of us in this carriage, had little benches. I was on the, wound up on the front row. Billy was pulling our carriage. It's a horse's name. The master had a little deal. He'd flip him on the side. We'd get down, get ready to turn a corner, and I'd hear that horse master. He'd say, gee, or haw. One guy in the back, he said, what are you saying? I said, hey, city slicker, you've never been around a horse in that life, have you? He said, what? I said, gee and haw, don't you know what right and left? He said, I don't talk horse. I said, well, you need to listen. And then we'd get to a certain point, and that horse would want to go. And John would reach back, and he'd grab back the rein. He'd say, whoa! Old Billy would stop. And he'd flick him. I'm sitting there thinking about this sermon. I'm saying, Lord, if we could get all these Baptist horses to gee and haul and woe until you said go, we'd have revival. But what we won't do is just get out of the traces and run our race. We're not listening. I'm sitting out at the ballpark yesterday morning. There's a mother there, and she handed her son, I guess son or grandson, I don't know, gave him $20, told him to go up to the concession stand. I thought to myself, this is going to be a train wreck. I'm going to watch this. She told him exactly what to get. He came back, and he had a big pile of stuff. He bought a bunch of stuff he wasn't supposed to get. And I knew what was coming. She looked up at him and said, did you not listen to me? And I thought to myself, no, he, he had 20 bucks. He wasn't listening to you. He's listening to him. And so he got everything he wanted at the concession stand. Gave her a little change back. I just had to walk off. I, I was about to laugh out loud. And I'm thinking, Lord, if that's not a Baptist boy right there. How many times have parents said, did you not hear me? Well, sure they heard you. They just didn't obey you. Let me tell you, friend, if we're going to walk in the fullness of the Spirit, the Spirit of God will say, go, no, or woe. It's up to you. you got to decide, am I going to obey what the voice of God says, or are you going to go your own way? And if you go your own way, you're asking for trouble every I've been thinking about this message. Brother Glenn, I, I, I got to thinking back to all the times. I remember as a little boy, I knew I was supposed to come make my public profession of faith, and I heard the Spirit of God. And man, I went. But I'll tell you, when I sat on that back row, like some of you guys are sitting on that back row today, I'd sit on the back row of that church. Man, I'd hold that cap rail because I knew God's calling me to preach. 
Uh-uh, no. You ever tried to bargain with the Holy Ghost? Son, you're going to lose that deal every time. All right? I said, Lord, I'll do this. He said, I'll ask you to do that. I, I got the plan for it. So finally, I'll never forget the night at Rosalie Baptist Church. I let go. I said, Lord, not my will, yours be done. I, I went. That was in a sister church. Went back to my church the next Sunday, made a call. Made it public. All them old women. Oh, oh. They probably were 50. <laughs> but they looked ancient to me. Oh, we've been knowing that God called you to preach. Oh, we've been. I remember I asked Miss O'Bear right. I said, well, why didn't you tell me? She said, oh, son. He said, she said, if a boy can't hear the Holy Ghost call him to preach, how's he going to hear him to know how to serve? If you can't hear the first step, she said, you'll never walk the road of faith. I said, well, I didn't want to hear that from you. <laughs> Friend, there's some things can't nobody tell you but the Spirit of the living God. You better never get married until you get the Spirit of God saying that's the way to go. You shouldn't take a job till the Spirit of God gives confirmation. Not if you're his child. Where should we live? You should never buy a house till God gives confirmation. That, that's where you need to be. He will speak to you. He that has ears to hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches are you listening are you listening are you listening i'm not talking about this ear this this just hanging out on the side of your head and sends it down to those three little bones and those hairs that are down in there the stirrup and all that i'm talking about the eyes and the ears of your heart where god speaks into your spirit I shared this morning, I was thinking about my good friend John. I love he and Angie. Remember when he was a kid in this orchestra, playing his trumpet. Then watch him come, God called him. Then over in Mississippi to get married, and I went over there that cowboy wedding and did the wedding. We all wore cowboy hats to the rehearsal. Then he went off up to Memphis and then over to East Tennessee. And then time would tell it was time for us to call a new minister of music. Brother Vernon had heard the call of God to go to Liberty. <laughs> Dr. Falwell called me. He said, we've been praying and wanted your permission to talk to Vernon Whaley. <laughs> I said, Dr. Falwell, you never have asked anybody's permission for nothing. When's Vernon leaving me and coming to you? That's what I asked him. He said, well, week after next is what we have planned. I said, okay, I understand. <laughs> it was the mind of God. You don't have to be happy for it to be the mind of God. You just have to be obedient. Amen? And so many of you came to me 
talk to John, talk to John, talk to John, talk to John. And, and I like that idea, but we don't do it because we know somebody. We, we got to hear from heaven. And I felt like I finally got the green light. And we did a high-tech search. <laughs> I sat in my office on a Sunday morning, and they were an hour ahead, and I watched their service online. I sent three people up there, one in the balcony, one on each side. They had their phones. I said, y'all text me. I'll text questions. And so I watched the service, and I said, tell me what's happening over there on that. Is that really what that? And so we, and they all came back and said, he's the man. We believe it'll work. I said, good, let's ask Jesus if he's the man. We heard yes. Then John had to hear yes. Amen. We heard yes, and we heard yes, and we all said yes. I didn't know if I wanted him to come or not. I mean, his brother's a deacon. Mother's in the choir. In-laws in the church. That just looks like trouble. You're asking for it. <laughs> so I called a family meeting of all the family. And we talked about the will of God. Friend, when you hear Jesus, then Go. If he says no, stop. If he says wait, oh man, I hate wait. I just hate wait. Tell me go, tell me no, but don't tell me whoa. When I get a whoa wait, I get W-O-E, I get woeful. But sometimes God says it's not time. Then it is time. He that has ears to hear, let him hear what his wife said. No, no. Let him hear what the committee, no, no. Let him hear what the pastor, no. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And whatever direction God's given you, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Some of you are here today and you need to come down this aisle. There are children in here. I just have that in my soul after this morning. Children in here need to come make their profession of faith. There's a family here. need to reach over and take her by the hand and say, this is our day. Let's go be a part of this church. This is our time. You've heard the Spirit of God say, it's time. Then you come. When we sing this song, I want to invite you to get up out of your seat, maybe from that top row, front row. You come and move from the outer to the inner circle of the church and say, I've come to be obedient to the call of God. He saves, he seals, he speaks. He that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, speak. Give us grace to obey, courage to walk in the way of your direction. We give you these next moments of appeal and ask you to do what only you can do in sovereign predestinarian Draw people to yourself, I pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.